Hey, Grace, my name is Rick, and I like to be right. <laughs> I like to be right about stuff, even trivial matters. So I'm going to play a little trivia game with you right now. Uh, and at home, you can raise your hand. Uh, so there's uh, three trivia questions. Uh, what city gets more rain, Seattle or New Orleans? So how many of you think Seattle gets more rain than New Orleans? Raise your hand. And how many of you want to go with New Orleans. Now think about it, Seattle, known as a city of rain, but of course New Orleans has been getting pounded in recent years. And the answer is New Orleans, almost twice as much rain, annual rainfall as Seattle at 67 inches. Okay, second question, uh, who sells more cars in America, Toyota or Ford? How many think at home it's Toyota? Raise your hand. How many are you gonna say Ford? And the answer is? Ford. Ford sells 2.3 million cars every year. Toyota just behind uh, the Ford dealer at 2.1 million. Okay, third trivia question is, who was president first? Theodore Roosevelt or Franklin Roosevelt? Who was U.S. president first? How many would say Theodore Roosevelt? Raise your hand. How many would say Franklin Roosevelt? And the answer is, Theodore Roosevelt was president first. He was president in the first decade of the 20th century. And his distant relative, Franklin Roosevelt, was president 30 years later. Well, when it comes to these trivial matters and matters of more import, as we're going to talk about in a moment, I like to be right. Well, then I married this person. Her name is Sharon. She's, I don't know, pretty smart. Maybe not that super smart. And when we had these disputes, we're riding along in the car about of trivial matters like this, uh, I always wanted this arbiter, this outside voice that could speak into our disagreements and to show that I would always be right. Well, then Google came along in the 1990s and I was going, yes, I'm going to be right like 90% of the time. Well, then Google came along, we had these disputes and we started looking them up and eh, unfortunately, I really hate to admit this, Sharon has been right most of the time. Don't tell her I said that. She may not be watching today. But we'll see in our passage uh, of scripture today that being wrong and admitting you're wrong is actually a pretty big value in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and we're going to look at that in a second. So uh, the Lord's Prayer, we've been talking about it the last few weeks. And we've been seeing some various themes in there. And there's also a little context to the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, don't pray like this. Don't pray like the hypocrites who like to be seen on the street corners by everyone praying. And don't pray like these uh, pagan babblers who think that by their many words, they're going to be heard by God. But no, pray like this. And then he utters these words. And this is from the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. <laughs> well, let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the Lord's Prayer. The prayer that you taught us to pray uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. I pray, Lord God, that the Lord's Prayer would make its way into our hearts these weeks as we're examining it. And Lord God, that we would live out the themes 
as Grace Church Roseville, we would live out the themes that we find there in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what are some of those themes? Pastor Bob has been preaching through them. One of them is uh, where it says, hallowed be your name. In other words, God is holy. He is hallowed. So we pray to a holy God. And then secondly, your kingdom come. And your kingdom implies that there is a king. So we pray to a holy king when we pray the Lord's Prayer. And we want his will to be done on earth. And then last week, Pastor Bob talked about a more personal request. Those were kind of universal cosmic themes. This is a personal request when he said, give us our daily bread. And we saw that daily bread was both meeting our physical needs each day and our spiritual needs as well. Well, now our verse for this week is another personal request. It says, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Well, <laughs> that's pretty two hard concepts right there. First, you have to admit that you're wrong. And then you have to release the people that have wronged you. And I find that very difficult. So this first happened in scripture. The very first wrong was committed by Adam and Eve against the Lord. And the Lord is a unity of one being and three persons. And the three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are a unity. They are unified in an agape love relationships in eternity. And so they created Adam and Eve to be unified as well and to be unified with them. It's a family. So when Adam and Eve sinned, when they rebelled against God, it broke up the family. C.S. Lewis called it the great divorce. Well, he <laughs> referred to other things with that phrase as well, but the great divorce between God and human beings. And so Adam and Eve went into the garden and they hid themselves from the Lord. They were naked and they were ashamed. The relationship was broken. There's a kind of isolation that takes place after sin has been committed. And in this case, unforgiven sin. I have an acquaintance who uh, unfortunately spent some time in prison. And uh, supposedly he had some violation in prison, which we very much doubted. But anyway, he was confined to, he was in solitary confinement for 10 days. During those 10 days, I was really praying for him because I knew how rough that was for him. He's a very social person. And when he got out of there, he was so broken. Isolation, it's hard on us. It's hard on our souls. Even the social distancing that we are a part of right now, folks, I don't know about you, but it is really hard on me to always have this barrier between myself and other people. Yes, it's a six foot barrier, but it's the mask barrier. It's the caution barrier. We can't mix it up with others as much as we would like to. Well, sin has a way of separating people and it does separate us from God. And we end up with this uh, spiritual isolation, this spiritual distancing. But when we ask forgiveness, restoration is possible. Forgiveness restores our relationship with God. So the first words that Jesus uttered when he came along on the scene, they're quoted by Mark. And it says in Mark 1.15, the time has come. The kingdom have, of God has come near Repent and believe the good news. Let me read that again. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So the very first thing Jesus asks us to do when he comes to us in the flesh is repent. 
to forgive us our debt. So it should come as no surprise then that when he teaches us the Lord's Prayer, he teaches us how to pray, that there would be an element in there of repentance. It's very vital to our relationship with God. Forgive us our debts. Uh, several years ago, I was uh, giving a talk to some students in Michigan. And we were at a camp. I was preaching through the book of Ruth, the Old Testament book of Ruth. And we got to the third chapter. And it's kind of a tricky chapter because it appears as if Ruth, who's the heroine of the story, uh, seduces uh, Boaz and they end up getting married. But the scholars disagree about how that works out. And so kind of the way I handled it, some students took objection to how I, uh, put, how I framed that in my talk. And at first, I kind of got defensive, and I said, well, no, it's in the passage. And then I thought to myself, you're just college students. What do you know? I'm this great theologian and everything. Okay, then I repented of my pride. <laughs> and I talked with them further, and then they put it to me this way, and I had to succumb to this argument. They said, well, had Jesus been giving this sermon, would he have framed it the way that you framed it? <laughs> So, and then they had me, you know, what can I say to that? I said, no, <laughs> probably not. Okay, well, that was on a Wednesday night. Thursday night, I got up in front of the crowd again, and uh, I said, I want to apologize for how I said that last night, framed that story, and um, I hope you'll forgive me. Well, um, after that, it just didn't seem like there was any forgiveness. It seems like I was never able to reconcile with those five students who had come to me and so I felt kind of bad at that time and honestly I can still feel it a little bit now even as I talk about it but with God it's different when we ask his forgiveness he gives it to us first John 1 9 through 10 says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So when we go to the Lord, he promises to forgive. So I have a question for you right now. Uh, how is your confession going these days? Are you approaching the Lord on a regular basis and bringing your sins to him? And sometimes... People in theology or liturgy, they'll say there are sins of commission and sins of omission. Commission, that's when we do things we shouldn't do. We think things we shouldn't think. We have attitudes we shouldn't have. We carry out actions that we shouldn't do, and they're sin against God and our fellow human beings. Then there's sins of omission, where we fail to do what we should have done, or we fail to think what we should have thought. However it was, whether sins of commission or omission, we bring these things to the Lord, and my question to you right now is how is your confession life going? Do you keep at it? In fact, what's to stop us from confessing our sins right now? So just in the quietude of your hearts, you don't have to say this out loud, let's take 30 seconds right now and go to the Lord. And I want you to think of one thing in your life that you know is not supposed to be there, or one thing you've neglected to do that should be there. And just bring that before the Lord right now for the next uh, 30 seconds. And then this is really bad camera strategy by the way we'll do it anyway this is the church let's go before the lord for 30 seconds
with your heads bowed, let's just uh, confess this. Uh, Lord, we do have sin, and we, uh, we bring it before you right now and ask your forgiveness. And we claim this verse. If, you, if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, then the second part of our verse is, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven others. And we might ask, well, why these two things together? Our sins and their sins, why are those put together in the scripture? And it's answered uh, again in Matthew 6, right after the Lord's Prayer in verses 14 and 15. It says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So you do have kind of a conditional promise here. If you forgive them, God will forgive you. And we find these conditional promises, well, most of them are throughout the Old Testament where God comes to Israel through the prophets or through Moses, through the law, and God says, if you will obey me, if you'll be faithful to me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, and if you commit idolatry and follow after the gods of the other nations, then you'll, <laughs> you will suffer the consequences of my wrath. So these conditional promises are found throughout scripture. And here we have one right in the Sermon on the Mount here in Matthew 6. So forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It has kind of cadence to it, doesn't it? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Say it with me at home. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Hey, there should be a song. Yeah, a song. And if there's a song, there should be a guitar. Oh, here's one. Aha, uh -huh. here's a guitar. I recognize you. And if there's a song and a guitar, there should be a wife to sing something with me. And if that wife could appear right now, that'd be really awesome. And so there should be a song, and we want you to sing along. And there's actions, too. We'll teach you the actions here in a second. And here's how it goes. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors. Okay, now the actions go. You're going to do the actions for oh, us? Okay. Sure. The actions go. Okay. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Okay, let's do that now. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Join with us now. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts. Ooh, 
Wow. That was fun. You gonna remember that now? That there's this uh, connection between receiving God's forgiveness, asking his forgiveness, and forgiving other people. And as we forgive them, God will forgive us. That's our little song for today. And I want to thank uh, Sharon Madsen for <laughs> singing along uh, with me. Seems like we don't always carry out the command here to forgive others. And here's the common talk that I hear, well, in secular culture all the time, but even from Christians, I hear people saying uh, things like, well, I'll never talk to that person again. I'll never go in that store again. I'll never talk to that clerk again. I'll never set foot in that church again. I'll never speak to that pastor again. I'll never go to that restaurant again. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. And there's a kind of uh, self-righteousness in that. There's a kind of almost a, a, a retribution, a, a, a vengeance. Like, I'm going to take it out on this person by never speaking to them again. And folks, I think the scripture seems to be calling us to something higher. I think what the scripture is saying, yeah, but it's actually not about us. It's about them and it's about God. And our job then is to release them, to forgive them. In fact, the word forgiveness in the original language, in the Greek language here, uh, has to do with these ideas of releasing and setting free. And we release that person from their sin when we forgive them. But <laughs> we also release ourselves from carrying that hurt. Uh, so you get release going both ways here. So that forgiveness flows down from us and then we offer it to others. Now, the mistake here would be to think that, okay, I get my forgiveness from God and then me and my own strength and my own power, my own willpower, I forgive that other person. I don't think it quite works that way. When we understand the undeserving merit that we get from God and his forgiveness, then we're able able to pass that on to others in the power of the Spirit. In other words, we offer forgiveness to others in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Because I don't know about you, I honestly don't have it in me. I love to kind of get back at people and hang on to things. Uh, but that's not what the scripture is teaching. Let me give you an example of an amazing group of people that forgave someone. Uh, this is a few years ago, uh, June 17th, 2015. There was a Bible study that was meeting at uh, uh, Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina. And this young man walked in, he's white, most of the group is black, and he sat in the Bible study for an hour. And then uh, he did what he finally intended to do. He uh, brought out a firearm and uh, committed an atrocity there killing nine people in that Bible study uh, at, right at the church. And I think we might have a, a picture of that church. His name was, uh, is Dylan Roof. And after he committed this atrocity uh, and was awaiting trial, he said this, I would like to make it crystal clear. I do not regret what I did. I am not sorry. Very defiant. I have not shed a tear for the innocent people I have killed. Imagine losing your loved ones in an instant like that to a tragic act of violence. Well, 
Uh, Ethel Lance was a 70-year-old woman who was, uh, lost her life in that shooting. She has a daughter, and the daughter at the bond hearing in front of the judge, she came forward and stepped up to the mic, and uh, the shooter, Dylan uh, Roof, was on camera. He was in a studio in, uh, in chains, and she said this, I just want you to know that I forgive you. This is the daughter of the woman, one of the women who was killed. I forgive you. You took something precious away from me. And she's crying as she's saying this, of course. I will never talk to my mom again. I will never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you. And I have mercy on your soul. May God have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But God forgive you and I forgive you. I just find that astonishing. I find that astonishing. Now notice what she didn't do here. She didn't deny her own pain. She didn't skip over things. She didn't skip over how hard this really is. And yet she pronounced words of forgiveness on a person who never repented. He never seemed to care. He never said he was sorry. Forgiveness is not denial of personal pain. She said, you hurt me and I forgive you. I find that astonishing. At the time I was working campus ministry, um, McAllister College, and uh, Rabbi Barry, my really good friend there, he uh, pointed this incident out to me. Not the whole incident, I'd seen that in the news, but the follow-up when the forgiveness was presented. And he's a faithful Jew, I'm Christian, we talk a lot. And he said, I just find this amazing. He and I had been talking about the issue of forgiveness in other contexts in the context of South Africa. But now, here it was in the U.S., and these black folk had forgiven this white shooter the very week that this atrocity had been committed. I'm inspired by that, and I hope you are as well. I hope that you can let go of the hurts and forgive the people that have brought harm to your life. Um, in fact, uh, let's do it again. <laughs> We had the exercise once, and now let's have the exercise again. I want you to think of one person that you're mad at, who said something wrong, who did something wrong, who harmed you in some way. Maybe they don't even know it, or maybe they do know it, and maybe they're not even sorry they did it. That's not the call here. The call is not to forgive them if they're sorry. The call is to forgive them. <laughs> Period. So just think of that person right now, and let's bow our heads. And I want you to bring that person before the Lord. And I want uh, in your heart to just say, I forgive you. Lord, I know I have a person that uh, has never gotten back to me. I tried to say I was sorry, and that person never got back to me. And I still carry that, and I want to release that to you now. And maybe my friends here in the church, probably everyone has something along those lines in this broken world or they feel offended or hurt, or they've truly been injured by another person. Lord, would you enable us to give and to, to release, to give forgiveness, and then receive your forgiveness? And it, and it goes both ways. And friends, the scripture says, if it is possible, Romans 12, 18 to 20, verse 18, I should say, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. 
It doesn't say as far as it depends on them, as far as it depends on us. Let's do our part in these relationships, even if it isn't uh, reciprocated by the other person. Let's release them and in the process, release our own hearts and receive God's forgiveness. Friends, remember, <laughs> forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Amen.